welcome to the first episode of The Swim Special with our brilliant guest, Mr. Matt Richards. Matt was very, very kind in uh, giving us his time to be our first guest. And uh, we recorded it about a month prior to Olympic trials. And we were all so delighted to see him do so well at the meet and see him get that well-deserved place on the plane to Tokyo. So yeah, we're all really, really looking forward to seeing him go out there and do the business for Team GB in a couple of months. Uh, he absolutely stormed trials with a few massive PBs in the 100 and 200 free, uh, which not only saw him be ranked highly in the UK, but also ranked highly on the world basis. So the future is looking very, very rosy for Matt. And uh, who knows, maybe after Tokyo, he'll get those Olympic rings added to his already growing tattoo repertoire. Uh, we had a nice conversation about um, a few things to do with swimming, a few things to do with life outside of the pool. And yeah, he um, he came across as a really, really genuine, nice young man. So without further ado, Matt Richards. So, Mr. Matthew Richards, how are you, mate? Thanks very much for coming on, pal. Yeah, no, I'm really good. And uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be the first one on. So thank you very much for having me. Oh, not a bother, mate. Not a bother, mate. Now, um, when we were doing our little bit of digging into you, mate, where according to our sources, you, how old are you, mate? Uh, 18, yeah. 18? Yeah. And according to our sources, pal, you are considering buying a house with your significant other at the tender age of 18, mate. So that's a, that's a pretty bold decision. So what's going through your mind on that, mate? Yeah, absolutely. So see, the thing is with me, it's, I'm very aware, aware that uh, swimming is not a sport like uh, football here in the UK or for the Americans. It's not a sport like, you know, NBA or anything like that, where there's a stupid amount of money available to everybody. Um, you know, the, the guys at the very, very top of their game in this sport will earn a lot of money. Um, but for those of us that are slightly below that, and hopefully at some point I'll be at that point, but right now I'm not. And so um, for me, uh, I feel like investing the money I do earn from the sport correctly could mean that then that just sort of, it takes the weight off my shoulders of having to like worry about money in the future. And it means I haven't got to rush any decisions and that kind of stuff, hopefully. Um, as long as I'm sensible with what I do and don't do with my money. And for me, property is like a an investment as well as a home. Um, so that, that that's the thought process. You know, the, the sooner I can get one, the better. Um, and and so that's why I was like, I was like, well, I think I'm in a position to be able to do it. So I'll I'll have a go and see see where it takes me. But yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, no, it's definitely a long term decision, I suppose, isn't it? Buying a property. Prices typically, you know, the, the houses go up in value every nine or ten years or something. So I suppose it is a long term value. But it'd be interesting you sort of touched on the level of income that professional swimmers gain in comparison to, you know, more mainstream in inverted commas sports. As a professional swimmer yourself, and as a, well as I suppose a newly professional swimmer yourself, what are your main sources of income? Yeah. So uh, here in the UK, we have. Uh... What, what's the technical term for it? So we get an athlete performance award. So it's called an APA. So, okay. Um, for it's basically it's known as funding. Um, so for the British swimmers, uh, when you're put on funding, you get a, a certain amount of money from UK Sport um, that's basically designed to help you cover some of the costs of living and some of the costs of like the sport in general. So um, I think that is the, that how much that money is varies depending on your. I think they call it depending on your band of funding. So um, 
obviously I won't go into details on how much that is, but um, yeah, no, of course, that's it's it's not as much as some other countries. Um, it's enough. It's enough to sort of help out, but I think that on its own, um, unless you're on the top tier ones, could be quite difficult to cover the costs of everything. Um, but then, uh, you know, ISL coming into things, that's been really helpful. Um, for me personally, I found that great, um, you know, because it's, it's another, it's like, like we were saying, it's another, it's another sort of revenue where you can just take that money and then you can like hold on to it and be like, right, well, actually, I haven't got to worry about money now because everything's covered. And I've got a little bit left over. So it's like, well, I'm in a comfortable position now. So that's really useful. And then obviously sponsors and things uh, that varies for, for everybody. And, and, you know, some people will get more than others. Some people have more sponsors than others. But um, yeah, so that's that's about it, really, as far as I'm aware so far. I'm sure things will open up as I go through my career. Yeah, I, I suppose the ISL really in the last few years has been a massive game changer in terms of the potential for swimmers to earn somewhat of a salary yeah. um, in order to maintain through their, their training and everything, all the costs that go into an elite athlete, I suppose. Um, but how does that work with the ISL? Does the, if you, if you, I mean, I don't know whether you're allowed to go into this or not. Don't worry about it if you're not. But is it the, because you're on the the New York Breakers, is it the teams that pay the swimmers or is it does it come from the swimming league itself? Or is it a combination of the two? How does that work? I think it's a combination of the two. So I believe the money is given like distributed to the teams equally um and then the teams then pay the athletes from then on so i think this season with the solidarity grants and where everybody was paid the same amount so everyone was given i think it was fifteen thousand dollars for this season um so yeah so every individual swimmer is given that money from their team but that money comes from isl global if that makes sense got you got you and that must re i mean as a you know a young swimmer having to pay rent looking to buy a house all the I mean, all the costs that go into food and stuff, that must be a, a, a godsend, really, in the last few years to have that opportunity. You, you must be really, really grateful for it. Yeah, massively. Absolutely. You know, and like you said there, I'm, I'm still really young. This is my first year of being what you could call a professional swimmer rather than sort of still being an amateur swimmer. So to have that, to just sort of just help make everything easier, it's been brilliant. Um, you know, and I, like you said, I'm, I'm really grateful to isl and I'm, I'm really excited to see what isl can do in the future and and i'm hoping that it will shape the sport into a, a direction that it hasn't been before but i think it's definitely got the potential to do yeah and no, i think i think that's what we're all hoping for we've got, got our fingers crossed that it is going to potentially bring it more into the mainstream it could get even bigger television contracts and what have you that would help the swimmers i suppose if you're a looking from the outside in if you're a, a 16 year old 17 year old swimmer and you've got the it might be you, you might look at your your next few years and see well if you stick with this swimming there isn't a potential for any sort of real income whereas the isl might have changed that so um yep so fingers crossed that that really helps out and i suppose another big move in your career at the moment mate is that you've made the move down to bath um and with the going back to the decision to look to buy a house you must be thinking of that as a pretty long-term move if you're looking to buy property down there are you you must be really comfortable in in your surroundings there is that right yeah absolutely um you know i love it here um i really do i'm i'm you know living life exactly as i i've always wanted to um and you know i wake up every day happy and so you know i can't wish for any more than that to be honest with you um i do see being here as a pretty long-term thing obviously with sport things change all the time you know you can never predict what's going to happen in the future and so um 
I'm planning for this to be a pretty long-term move for me to stay here for quite a while. Whether or not that ends up being the case, who knows? Um, but I'd imagine I, I'll definitely be here for at least another Olympic season. Um, I'm potentially more than that, but obviously we'll have to wait and see how how life changes. <laughs> yeah, and um, where does does university fit into that equation at all? Is is that anything you're thinking about, or are you just dedicated to the swimming at the moment? Yeah, so for the moment, I think I'm I'm pretty dedicated to the swimming. So I've always I've never been a particularly um, academic person so I've always been pretty good at school like I've always got pretty decent grades like I've, I've been fine at school it's just it's not where I, I thrive I like I struggle to sit down and not be doing things if that makes sense um, I'm like, constantly on the go I'm constantly like my head I think my head just works too quickly for me to sit down and do something if that makes sense so yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, I, I don't think I'll ever go to uni um, again knows I might do one day but um, I'm not planning to at the moment but again we'll just just wait and see what the, the future holds with that I guess so yeah 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 because and um, what does the I mean what what is the is there any big differences uh, with the training in Bath than what you've had in the past which has attracted you to it you I mean you seem so optimistic about the future down there is there anything about the coaching about the i mean it's an elite group that you're training with every day what is it that has really really attracted you to it yeah so for me uh where i came from was the royal Wolverhampton school and so i was training in a four lane 25 meter pool um we didn't have a gym for the majority of the time i was there and then in the last year or so i was there we basically built a gym in like an attic of the the, uh, the the sports hall for the school. So the facilities there were, you know, they were fine. They were, were all I needed. They took me really far. They sort of built me as the athlete I am today. But um, when I was given the opportunity to move somewhere where I am now, where I've got a, like an eight lane pool that can be long course or short course, depending on what we need. We've got a massive gym. We've got all the sports scientists. Like there's just everything I could need here. And so for me, it was like future proofing um and giving me everything i need for this season obviously the olympics coming up this season um i just wanted to make sure i was giving myself the best chances of having the best environment around me to be able to do what i want to do if that makes sense yeah is that how you are looking at the tokyo olympics um they're still calling the 2020 olympics aren't they but is that are you looking at it more such that you might not get this opportunity in the future again to be in such good shape at the top of your game and that you want to make the most of it um because it seems to me like you've come into such good form in the last few years and you really want to make the most of it in case as you said you know swimming is a very unpredictable sport you don't know what happens with you know touch wood but with injuries and what have you are you seeing this as that is your main goal and while you're at the peak of your powers so far that is your main priority in the sport yeah, so for the moment, um, absolutely, Tokyo is 100% what I have my, my heart and my mind set on. Um, everything is gearing up now to trials to try and qualify. Um, and then, you know, fingers crossed all being well. If I do then qualify, everything will be gearing up to go to Tokyo and perform at the best of my ability. Um, but I think my goals within the sport, I'm hoping, again, like, like we were just saying, who knows what will happen, but I'm hoping I'll be in the sport for, for quite a while. Um, and, you know, I think... I'm just sort of starting to come to the first sort of bit of my, my journey. I'm starting to transition now from junior into senior. Um, and I definitely see myself as sort of still being at the very bottom of the hill, if that makes sense. So then, so then climbing. So that's 
how I see it at the moment. And f- fingers crossed that's how it'll all go. But yeah. No, yeah. But yeah, obviously, we're all wishing the best of luck for you, mate. But, um, but what was the, I mean, because obviously you've now got that as a goal. Was there a moment in time when you th- realised you know, Tokyo is achievable at this point now? If I put in necessary work, I get a bit of luck along the way, I can do it. Was there a moment in time when that realisation came came around you? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the dream of going to the Olympics I've had for as long as I can I can remember, to be honest with you. Um, I can't remember a time where I wasn't dreaming of being an Olympian. Um, and so as I was growing up, I was, I was thinking, yeah, you know, Tokyo 2020, that's going to be my Olympics. That's the one I'm going to, that's the first one I'm going to go to. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, I was like, actually, I'll be really young for that. That's going to be really difficult to do. I'll still, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make that one. Um, but then I think it was European juniors in 2019 where I had a really good European juniors. I think it was after that one, I came back and I was like, you know what? There's actually a chance that I could sneak onto the team here. Um, as you said, it's going to take a lot of hard work and, and, and grafting, and it's going to take a little bit of luck as well, as you said, but there's a chance I could do it. Um, and that was the point where I sort of sat down and I was like, right, well, I know what I want to do. You know, it's black and white what I want to do. Now let's just figure out exactly, sort of draw up a roadmap of a plan of exactly what I've got to do to get to that point. Um, and obviously that plan and that roadmap has been changing a lot because of circumstances out of our control. But um so we're just trying to go along and just tick off all the different things that we've we've got on that roadmap and you know fingers crossed it all all works out as we as we hope it will yeah no yeah good stuff mate was that because it was in um there was european juniors was that in kazan is that right was that in russia yeah yeah was were you expecting to go in and be so successful in that meet because that was i suppose on an international stage where most people started hearing about you and really understanding your potential. It, obviously in the UK, everyone had known about you for a long time, but more widely, that was your sort of breakthrough moment, I suppose. When, were you expecting to do such big things there or was that a little bit of a surprise to you? Yeah, so I think um, I was expecting to do what I did there. Um, I went in with, with my goals and my plans to try and achieve uh, what I achieved. If I'm honest with you, I was hoping to win the 200 as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> you almost got there, mate. You almost got there. Exactly. Um, so um, I was I was sort of expecting that and, and hoping for it and planning for it. I think the people around me, I think it might have surprised because as much as like they, they knew that that was what I was hoping for, I think they might have thought like he's going to need to go significantly quicker than he has before to do that. So I think understandably, I think the people around me were a little bit surprised and shocked about what happened but i think to me it was just the, the sort of first step in a, a long journey if that makes sense yeah yeah and you um i mean that that doesn't surprise me because you strike me as quite a you know a modestly but a modest but confident guy in your abilities when you go into those big races and you're standing on the blocks do you have to sort of tell yourself that you are in the best shape possible that you can win or do you do you have any battles with sort of negative emotions in 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 meets or what what what's your mindset when you're at such a big meet with such high level competition and then you would go in and you 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 know you you beat the guys yeah um i think every everyone must have times where where they do have battles with negative thoughts and i think you know i'm i i'll be the first one to say it there are times when i doubt myself and doubt my ability um 
but I think it's the way that you react to that and how you like I think it's you've got to acknowledge that that those thoughts are there um and then figure out ways yourself that you can sort of push those out and get rid of those thoughts and, and change them back into the thoughts that you need and at the end of the day your mind and your body are all just they're controlled by you that you know you're in the driver's seat and so when you have those thoughts you it's in your ability to get rid of them and turn them around into the direction you need them to be um i think when i go into major meets where i'm like rested i'm tapered and i'm confident i usually know what i've got in me um i know like who i'm going to be able to beat i know how quick i'm going to be able to go um and so when i get up on the blocks um i don't think at that point i really have those battles it's usually coming up to the meet um but when i'm actually there and i'm in the moment i'm just ready to go i guess so and, uh, many many years ago i heard something from a coach of mine um called malcolm latter and he said uh he said that when it comes to race day the only thing you should be thinking about is just how good do you look in your suit and I, <laughs> so, you know when you get up on the block the only thing that you need to be worried about is how good do i look in my suit and at the end of the day as long as you prepared and you're you're in the right position and the right frame of mind and everything's set and done before you get to the race the race is just just the the end at the end of the day so yeah yeah it's, it's just about executing it at that point exactly yeah um and so regarding the olympics coming up what um what is the situation around trials have, have british women been in contact with you guys about when it could go ahead where it's going to go ahead because i suppose everything is so up in the air nowadays that you I mean, for such a big event, you want to be in tip-top condition. Have you? What, what's the latest on that front? Yeah, so I believe they're still going to be going ahead in London. Um, I think they're still going to be going ahead uh, at pretty much the same dates that they were going to be before, but I think the programme has been condensed from, I think it was from six days down to five days now um, because okay. they're not having less athletes there, I believe. So obviously that means they don't need to rent out the pool for that long because obviously it's expensive um but yeah so i believe it's going to be i reckon it will be the same place and pretty much the same date so as as it would have been last year but just a year later okay so that's good because that at least gives you something to work around and, and yeah. to sort of aim for so um and and so so whereabouts are you in the training cycle at the moment are you in a in deep heavy training what because you um you had the manchester meet a few weeks ago did you have any sort of taper up to that or wh whereabouts are you in your cycle at the moment uh to be honest with you just getting absolutely battered <laughs> um, <so laughs> we uh we didn't we didn't get any rest into the previous manchester meet there's another one coming up this week and we won't be having any rest into that either um so yeah, it's always tough racing when you're when you're in heavy training because your body just doesn't feel like it wants to do the things it needs to do. Um, but you know, that's at the end of the day, it's just character building, isn't it? So it's it's just where you find out the more about yourself and about your races. And after the year we've had, being able to have those races and go through the pain of like those races in heavy training, it just reminds you that you know when it comes down to it, at champs and we're all tapered and rested and things, it's it's just going to be it's so much easier than it is now if that makes sense so uh, yeah. but yeah so i think i've got another few weeks now of just really really heavy training um and then we'll be starting taper into champs so okay good stuff and um what is it like what um what is it like moving from the royal wolverhampton school and being in bath around such elite swimmers day in day out and i suppose uh, the question also 
uh, is in regards to being in these world level competitions now around the best of the best all the time. What's that like? Um, are you, does that give you an extra drive to go and be even more successful or what, what are your sort of your emotions around that? Yeah. So I think it's, again, it's, it's all, you know, the more we talk, the more, the more I'm sure people will think swimming is all about the mental side of the sport. I think it's all, it's all just a mental game. Um, so you know, being able to be around and be in an environment with such successful swimmers. So, you know, you, I'm training with with and around, you know, James Guy, Tom Dean, Freya Anderson, Callum Jarvis, you know, they're all, they're all there. And then there's the guys like me, there's a few other guys here that are just sort of the level below and just pushing up at the moment and on their way through. So it's just, it's, it's brilliant because everybody's got the same goal. Everyone's got the same mindset and everyone is pushing each other to achieve the same things. So, you know, you, you can't really wish for more of a, what, a better environment than where everybody's goals and, and mindset is aligned. So yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And I suppose you might not want to, you might not want to, if they're your mates, you might not want to compliment them too much, but do you learn every day from them? Or is that, do you, when you're training with, as you said, like your James Guy, Tom Dean and the rest, did you, do you pick up things from them on a daily basis? Yeah. So, um, so, Jimmy and, and and Tom, they're both in in Dave uh, McNulty's squad, and I'm in Joel's squad. So we like we train at the same time, but it's very rare that you'd see us doing the same sets. Um, Got you. So I don't think I I don't get much of an opportunity to pick up things from them. Um, but then in my squad, I've got Callum Jarvis, who's you know he's been he's been swimming now for goodness knows how long. He's he's done pretty much anything any event you can do in in swimming. So. You know, there's there's so much that I can learn off him, and there's so much I, I do learn off him. Um, and I think he's he's a real like a really good mentor to have in the squad because um, my squad is we've got eight lads in the squad. Um, Callum's 28, and then I'm the youngest at 18, and all the other lads between are from my age to about 21. So we're all really young. Okay. And there's Callum, who's like he's the godfather. Exactly. Yeah. So so yeah. it's it's a really good dynamic, and we, we like I think we all learn a lot off him. So yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. And um, I mean, all of you guys, uh, the Bath guys especially, and and from elsewhere, were at the Manchester meet a few weeks ago. Uh, how 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 did you feel about your performances there? Yeah, so um, it was a bit of a mixed bag. There was a lot going on. Um, getting back into racing after not racing long course for so long was, you know, it was a challenge in itself to just remember what I'm doing. Um, so. You know, there were little mistakes I was making in pretty much every race that I wouldn't normally make, but that's good because this is the point to be doing that to make sure that then when it comes to it at trials, I've sort of nailed those things down and they're not going to be a problem anymore. Um, I had some races that I was pretty happy with. There was some races that I was a bit like, yeah, that's not that's not where it should be. Um, but, you know, in, in season racing, when, when you're not taping and things, it's always, like I said earlier, it's always a mixed bag. So... Um, Overall, I was really happy with what I came out from with the meet because there was lots of different things that we can work on. Um, there was nothing like there were no major issues um, and there was nothing that is concerning, if that makes sense. So, yeah, everything looks good sort of going ahead now towards trials. So, yeah. Of course. So I just looking towards trials um, and moving on from Manchester, I suppose, and then from what you were thinking at the start mm -hmm. of the season. Um, is there 
what 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 is your priority what event is your priority looking into trials which you're you really really believe that you've got the best chance of qualifying or are you trying to focus on all of them um with the 50 the 100 and 200 in um are you, are you trying to focus on them all or are you trying to just prioritize one or two yeah so the original plan was going to be to do the 50 the 100 and the 200 um where that like i said earlier how they've condensed the program slightly so it would have been that I'd have had the 100, then the 50 the next day, then I'd have had a break, and then the 200. Um, whereas now it would have been I'd have had the 100, then the 50, then the 200 all in a row. So um, we made the decision to scratch the 50 now um, and just 100, then have a break in the next day, and then do the 200. So we're basically just going to focus everything on the 100 and the 200 for this year. Um, and then going forward, so we can start to open it back up again to the 50 and then possibly a little bit of fly in there as well. So okay yeah mix oh good stuff mate and um so if you were to get i mean i suppose one thing which every young person who's interested in sport always thinks about if they get into the olympics well certainly i always used to think about is where i would get the olympic rings tattoo um if you do make it mate uh where where because you've already got some tattoos is that right yeah yeah i've got a few on my arm and then I've got the one i don't know if you can see that one on my hand but... yeah yeah. Okay, good stuff. And what, what, have you got any ideas where you put the the rings, mate? Yeah, so you know, obviously, I wouldn't want to jinx anything, so I haven't planned anything okay, well... much. But I, uh, I have thought about it, like I'm sure everybody does. Um, so my plan would probably be to get it on my forearm on this side. So obviously, I'll probably be finishing off this sleeve relatively in the near near future. Um, so I'll probably, yeah. if I do make it, I'll get the the rings there. I think. So yeah. Oh, good stuff. Nah, good stuff. Um. But but yeah no that's something that I feel like everyone's always um, everyone's always thought about and just uh, briefly off topic mate a, f a few um, viewers might be wondering what's happened to your lovely locks on the top of your head mate there's there's been a bit of a story about that pal so what's gone on there yeah <sighs> see <laughs> <laughs> you called them lovely locks I'm not sure about that I don't think I don't think I call them lovely I mean. They look a bit more like straw locks to me now, but um, essentially uh, <laughs> I made a YouTube channel a little while ago um, and one day I woke up and thought, oh, I know what will be a good video. I'll bleach my hair blonde. Um, and yeah. so I went ahead and I bleached my hair blonde and I've been regretting it for the last couple of months since I've done it. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's slowly starting to grow out. You can see the brown starting to come back through. Um, okay, yeah. Hey, so you started to, to get over it. Oh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. But I, mean, I suppose that's the problem with lockdown as well. You can't even go to the barbers, can you, to sort exactly. it out? You yeah. can't even... Like, yeah. The only thing you can sort of do, well, as a... I don't know about girls, but is sort of shave your head. But then I don't... I mean, I don't want to do that, but... No. I mean, but that, that's the only thing you can do to sort of get over it, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyway, get back to um, back to Manchester meet, mate. Um, people have seen that you were there uh, swimming for uh, under the title of I think it was Welsh Independent there. Yeah. Um. So and you've you've chosen to swim for Wales in um in you know potentially in the Commonwealth Games. Now I don't want to you know I don't want to be too personal mate or anything. But um, listening to you, you don't you don't I don't I'm not hearing the Welsh accent. You know what I mean? Like if you were to walk onto the set of Gavin and Stacey you'd, when it was being filmed, you'd fit in far better with Gavin's family than you would with Stacey's. Yep. So are you are you doing a Ryan gigs on us, mate, and just swimming for Wales because you can? Or what's the, what's the thing there, mate? Yeah. So essentially, uh, I'll give you a little bit of history into my family. So 
My, Go on, do it. We've got all time. Yeah, so my dad's side of the family are all Welsh. Um, everyone was born in Wales. They Pretty much all of them still live in Wales, um, apart from my dad and my dad's parents who live in the UK. Uh, what well, not in the UK, sorry, in England. Um, my mum's side of the family are primarily English with a bit of Irish in there as well. Um, and so growing up, uh, I had my... My, where my, my granny and grampy, my dad's parents live very nearby. Um, and my dad, for as long as I can remember, I have been told by my family, I am Welsh. Um, much <laughs> so my mum, my mum's always been infuriated by it, but I've always been told I'm Welsh. Um, and so when I was very young, I started supporting Wales in the rugby. Um, and then I don't know how old I would have been, maybe about 12. I found out that I could register as a Welsh swimmer rather than an English one. Um, and at that point it didn't mean anything to me in terms of, I wasn't thinking about Commonwealth or anything like that, but I was like, well, I'm Welsh. So yeah, I'll register as a Welsh swimmer. So then I registered as a Welsh swimmer a couple of years later, I was able to then start doing Welsh nationals and that kind of thing. Um, and you know, swim whales are fantastic. Um, you know, I could sing the praises for swim whales for, for days. They're, they're just a fantastic bunch of people there. The support team there are amazing. Um, and to be honest with you, um, you know, I, I still do think I'm Welsh, even though, like you said, I, I was born in England. Um, I have an English accent. My, my mum and dad have English accents, but um, I'm very much Welsh at heart, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, that does. And, you know, the, the Swim Wales crew and the Swim Wales lot are, are just the best bunch of people in the world. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's the, the story to that, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, and you sort of touched on it before. Your family, obviously, being Welsh, are they uh, are they a big rugby family? Then I'm assuming, or are they are they sporty at all? What are they into? Yeah, rugby. Rugby's the big one in my family. Um, so I played a lot of rugby when I was younger. Um, but then when it got to the point where the two rugby and swimming were starting to get a bit more serious, I had to make the decision between one or the other um, because the, the times are just clashing. And where they were getting more serious, it was like, well, I can't. You know, I can't be a professional rugby player and a professional swimmer. Um, so I went with the swimming route just because I, I enjoyed swimming more. Um, and, you know, it's paying off for me at the moment. So I, think- yes, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think you made the wrong decision, yeah. pal. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, what, so how, how, was that at school you were playing rugby or what, what age until what, up until what age were you playing the sport? That's a brilliant question. And I don't know the answer. Um, I don't know yeah, I've, I can't even that old. Probably very early teens. I probably played up until um, and played rugby from probably the age of sort of five or six, um, doing the little, the little tots games and that. So played it, played it up for a few years and then then scratched that to go on with the swimming. So yeah, but I still absolutely support the rugby. So I've been watching the Six Nations and we're getting a little bit lucky. Oh, have you? <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a few, a few controversial referee yeah. decisions, hasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so were you growing up, obviously playing rugby and doing swimming, were you a a bigger lad growing up? Did you, you know, sort of mature early or were you more of a late developer? Yeah, so it was, uh, it's interesting. So when I was younger, um, I don't know whether you remember, but the, the, the sort of age categories for swimming used to be age on day. Um, so every meet you go to, your, the age category you'd be put in would be based on how old you were on the day of the competition. Um, and then when I was quite young, so again, I don't know exactly how old, but still I was quite young. Uh, and they changed it from age on day to the age at the 31st of December. 
Um, uh, my birthday's the 17th of December. So for me, oh, bloody hell. really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't particularly big as a kid. I, I was relatively average um, size. So racing against guys that were up to 11 months older than me when you're younger, that's a, that's a big age gap. Um, and so that made it really difficult for me. Um, but I think if it hadn't have been for that, I maybe wouldn't be where I am now because that meant that I couldn't rely on just being big and being powerful. Like I had to work hard on my underwaters. I had to make sure my technique was good. I had to make sure like all the skills and the psychological side of it all was just, I sort of had to nail that at a younger age. And so then when I did grow and I got a bit bigger and got a bit stronger and, you know, I'm still getting stronger at the moment, putting a bit of bulk on, um, you know, it means that because I had those foundations when I was younger, cause I had no other option to be able to win things. Um, as I then did grow in things, I was able to sort of put the two together, if that makes sense. Yeah, I suppose that for any young swimmers listening, that 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 sort of gives a little bit of gives a little bit of hope, I suppose, because as you said, at such a at those young ages, I remember. I mean, in my in my surprise, you may, but I wasn't the, the biggest of lads growing up. Um, but um, but um, it's it's it can be quite disheartening when you are competing against other lads or other girls who are adults essentially physically, and you're not. But I, I've always thought that it doesn't really matter. As you say, you're 18 now, and I would imagine that you still have a good few years of developing physically to go. Um, because I, I, I sort of might, I think that it doesn't really matter at all what you do when you're 13 and 14. What matters is what you do when you're 23, 24. That's when it really, really counts. Was that always your sort of mentality growing up and obviously against bigger lads? Was that always what you were thinking? Or how did you sort of, how did you, how did, how did you, I suppose, when did you want your full, your potential to be fulfilled as a swimmer? Did you always focus on, right, nationals this year? That's what I've got to do. That's what I've got to really, really be, you know, iron up. Or were you more thinking a couple of years down the line? Yeah. So my dad's always said something to, he's always told me to play the long game. Um, and he's always told me, you know, right now at the end of the day, whatever happens, in the general scheme of things doesn't really matter. Um, cause if you're playing the long game, what happens right now is just a stepping stone on the next part. Um, so when I was younger, as I said, I was, I was a relatively average sized kid, but racing against guys that were a bit older than me. So they were always a lot bigger. Um, but you know, my dad's six foot five. So I was like, well, one day <laughs> I could grow if that makes sense. So I was like, I, I, at some point I should hit a point where I grow. And then when I do, as long as I've done everything I need to now, then I should grow. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm six foot two now. Um, still gutted that I'm not taller than my dad. And I'm just praying that at some point I just, <laughs> we'll see. That's a, that's a big thing, isn't it? Between sons and sons and fathers, isn't it? Cause I'm, um, I'm definitely not six two, but I am bigger than my dad. And I remember the day when you sort of, you iron them up and you're thinking, God, this is, this is really happening. This, this is actually happening. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, fingers, fingers crossed it happens for you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, that was it for me. It was just sort of, it was understanding that, you know, obviously I've got my goals for, for now and I've got the things I want to achieve right now. But at the end of the day, whatever happens with those goals, whether I achieve them and it all goes really well or whether I miss them and I, it doesn't go really well, either way it's short-term success or not success at that point and it's when you've got to yeah. look at the bigger picture at the end of the day and go right well even if what i wanted to achieve right now happened 
that doesn't really mean anything in the general scheme of things because what I want to achieve down the line is far more than that. And likewise, if I don't achieve what I want to achieve right now, it's not the end of the world because there's bigger things that I want to achieve next. And so I've just got to sort of shift that mindset onto the next one. So it's have, I think it's having the ability to look at your goals and sort of go, right, well, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do everything I can to achieve that. But regardless of whether I do or don't, I'm not going to let that affect me and my goals for the next thing, if that makes sense. So I suppose, uh, just talking more about the, the mental element to it, what is the, is there any, are there any mental games that are played by swimmers with each other? Um, in Because obviously it's, the, the, the what is a remarkable area of swimming is the marshalling area before the races. I don't really, I can't really think of any other sport where you get so close before the moment um, of of action really with your competitors um what are those especially in places like the isl or in these big international tournaments what um what's the atmosphere like in those marginal areas it's interesting um it's really and i think it depends on it depends on the meet it depends on who else is there it depends on who knows who in the room so the atmosphere can be anything from really really intense um at the one end of the spectrum to all the way to the other end of the spectrum where all the lads in the room are just bantering with each other and having a laugh. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just depends on the dynamic of who's there and what the stakes are, if that makes sense. So, you know, sometimes it could be, you know, for example, at the ISL, before a 53, if I'm sat in the room and there's Caleb Dressel there, there's Florian Manadou there, there's Ben Proud there, there's everybody's there, you know, I'm just sat there and I'm just looking around like, right, well, I'm not going <laughs> to right now i'm just going to let these guys do their thing and that kind of thing it's usually really intense but then yeah come to the other end of the spectrum where you're doing a relay with you know your teammates and obviously all you and your teammates are going to have banter and all the other teams and their teammates going to have a bit of banter so i think it's it's like a it's like a sliding scale it all depends on what's going on but that yeah it's, it's definitely a really interesting dynamic and it's as you said it's something that not many other sports really get to have i don't think yeah, no, I know, because um, that's what's obviously the the very famous example is is Phelps with Chad Leclerc. Yeah. I think it was the two hundred fly semi finals where there's a little bit of shadow boxing going on, and but um, yeah, I mean, what is it? What is it like being a young swimmer? I mean, obviously you're you're a confident lad, and I I can't see you don't strike me as somebody who get overwhelmed by any occasion. But what I mean, what's it like when you stand next to the likes of Florent Maladou and Caleb Jessel? When they're absolute specimens of mankind, what what's uh, what's going for your brain at that moment when you know you've got to go out into battle with them? See, uh, to be honest with you, I'm just looking at them and thinking, right, well, I need to grow because <laughs> <laughs> like flows there, and I'm just talking to him from here. And then, like for example, a few of my teammates were six foot seven, six foot eight. Flows like six foot seven. You know, the the shorter the distance of the events, I noticed at the ISL the more I was having to look up at the people I was talking to. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not a short person, like by any means. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're 6'2", mate. That's yeah. not a short, mate. Exactly. And so I was looking at these guys and I was like, this is just ridiculous. Like, why, why are you so tall? But then to be fair, the likes of, the likes of Caleb, I think Caleb's about six foot three. So he's okay. anywhere near as big as the likes of Flo and, and some of those other guys. But so at the end of the day, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. Um, 
but it's it's just it's just funny when you're chatting away to everyone and you're just looking up at everybody and you're like well this is just ridiculous and i don't have to go anywhere else in the world and have to look up this much to talk to people <laughs> but yeah your next your next starter and before the race started exactly, yeah but, yeah but um I suppose well, I think we've we've sort of talked quite a bit about the sort of psychological elements towards swimming. When you've moved to Bath, and you mentioned before about um, all of the extra facilities there, I think um, on one of your your YouTube, it's a great channel by the way. Everyone should go check it out. On one of your YouTube uh, videos, you were doing um, quite. It looked like quite um, high level Pilates with your one of your coaches there, and you talked about the sort of sports science element to it. Um, what is there any of these extra facilities that have been thrust onto you at Bath that have you've really, really, um, that have really, really had a positive impact on you? Yeah, absolutely. I think I couldn't name one individual thing. I think it, everything that I've got here has just been such a high level that it all just comes together into one. I don't think, I don't think there's any one thing that stands out from all of it because I think it all just stands out together, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, it's just, like I said earlier, everything I could possibly need, I've got here. Um, and whether that's for right now or for two years down the line or for, for example, for like Callum, when I'm 28, there's still everything I need is going to be there, if that makes sense. Yeah. No matter what circumstances happen, like it's all it's all there. It's all set and ready to go. So, Yeah. Good. And I mean, you you must be, obviously you were talking about how you're in heavy, heavy training at the moment. You must be really, really burning through the calories, you know, every day. Is it a, a challenge to sort of refuel every day or do you have specific diets that you're told to follow? What What is your approach to nutrition? Yeah. So we, we've got a nutritionist um, called Rich and he he's brilliant. He sort of so we weigh in twice a week where we get our, our weights and then we have skin folds done every oh, wow. every now and again. So just keeping a track of like where everything's at. Um, I think when we're in the really heavy training, myself and the lads in the squad literally just can't eat enough food and we're just dropping weight because we're just, you literally <laughs> in you. But, um, you know, then when it comes down to it and like you, you have a bit of a rest or you have a recovery week and things, that kind of stuff, then it all levels back out again and it resets. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I eat a lot of food <laughs> to put it that way. I don't yeah, eat yeah. calories, but uh, I eat a lot. <laughs> and is it, but is, are there certain foods that you, you stay away from or are you more sort of libertarian when it comes to that stuff? Because you you have to eat so much to maintain weight. Is it, do you really, do you look at certain things and cut them out or not? Um, to a certain extent, I'd say, yeah. Um, so, you know, for example, I'm pretty boring my breakfast and lunch every day. My breakfast is always porridge and my lunch is always uh, chicken with some rice. So it's pretty boring okay. lunch and breakfast every day, but then dinner, um, we usually try and have different meals. Like, But everything we eat is relatively healthy. Um, but then like, we, we wouldn't have you know chocolate every day and sweets every day and that kind of stuff. But every now and again, if we fancy a, a treat, you know, because as we said, because we're doing so much, it doesn't hurt to have a treat every now and again. Um, so per yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a sucker for cream eggs, like cream eggs. That, that oh, really? Is that your thing? Is that your thing? Yeah. So I'm struggling at the moment. Anytime I go shopping, I have to just avoid going anywhere near the cream eggs aisle because if they're in the bag, <laughs> if they make it home, they're not making it through the evening. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, th I think I think we now know what ISL News is going to get you for your birthday, mate. That's right. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And um, I suppose we, yeah, we've been talking about um, your time swimming at the elite level, but you've you've referenced it earlier. Your more formative years, I would imagine, would be at the Royal Wolverhampton School. That that's a boarding school. Did you board there? Yeah, so I, I did a thing called weekly boarding. So um, I would go to the Royal every Sunday evening, and I'd stay. I'd board all the way through till Saturday morning, where I'd go back home. So home from was between 45 minutes and an hour away so it was too far to travel every day but it was close enough that I could go home every weekend so it was like it was both worlds because so personally you know I'm an only child and I'm I'm really close to my my mum and dad and my family so you know my grandparents live next door it's like we're, we're just a really tight-knit group so yeah. I think it would have been really difficult for us if we weren't able to see each other still frequently if that makes sense so um like I said, I think it was just the best of both worlds because it meant I could focus on the school and the swimming while I was there and have a good time with my friends and things and, and enjoy it. But then on the weekends, I could come home and still have that, that quality time with my family, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the, no, that does that does sound like a really good balance, I suppose. Mm. But how was the, you know, as a young young kid, what was the the actual boarding experience like did that did that change you in any way did you, i'd assume you bec- you would become more independent as such is that true yeah absolutely so you know when i moved out to come here i was still 17 when i got my own apartment um and you know left home and things so um for most people i think leaving home and getting your own apartment you know 2 hours away from your parents and just sort of getting on with it would be quite a challenge but i <laughs> it didn't really feel like anything particularly different to usual because I was used to it from so long ago, if that makes sense. So it was almost the boarding was just a nice little sort of stepping stone to get me ready to then actually (laughs) become independent. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, good stuff. And um, was it because, I mean, we used to play, um, I used to play rugby sometimes against Ellesmere College who have uh, the Ellesmere Titans swim team there. And every time we used to go there, They'd uh, put on a little bit of food for us after the game, and it used to be absolutely amazing. The food compared to our food at our school was that. Was, did you really get treated well at that school? Was it was it homely, and was it how was the environment for for a young kid? Obviously, going through a lot of um, you know a lot of training, a lot of really really hard stuff. You're maturing, and everything's going on. Was it, did they treat you well, or how how was the facilities there for you? Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, it was brilliant. You know, I I couldn't speak a bad word about the Royal or any of the team there. Um, you know, Mark Backman and Tom Elgar, my coaches while I were there, um, they they basically they were basically family to me. Um, and they, they still are. You know, those guys will always hold a really special place in my heart because they helped shape me not only as the athlete that I am today, but as the person I am today. If that makes sense, they've they've sort of built me into the the man I am. Um, and I think, you know, they had such a big impact on making sure that the food was a, a good, like a good substantial amount for us. They had such an impact in making sure we had rooms in the boarding house that were away from the common room. So it wasn't too much noise when we we're trying to sleep early and things. Um, they made sure that if we were struggling to keep up on a piece of homework because we were trying to balance that with training, they'd speak to the teacher for us. They, they, they just made it they made it seamless and and just made it really easy for for me and for the other guys there and i I don't think anyone could wish for for any more than that and it was it like i said it was like a family rather than just being there if that makes sense yeah no that that does absolutely because what what was always 
what I've always saw is that, you know, you have these top level swimmers now, I mean, coming out of boarding school environments and then going to potentially to a university team or to somewhere like Bath. I mean, I think Duncan Scott was at a boarding school up in, in Scotland. Obviously, you've got the Millfield lads, uh, you've got Kelly College. And as has, to have it all in one place, more than anything, it must have just made it made life a lot easier practically for you because you, you don't have to put the traveling in. It, it sounds like to me like a little bit like a swimming camp all the time because you're at the pool was was did you see a, a um, an elevation in your performance after going there from beforehand and did you did you expect that going there or did they did they have to sell the um the school to you and the team to you yeah absolutely so um literally from my first year of being at the royal my times dropped um significantly um, you know they were just continuously they just dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped um so going there um I kind of almost already knew them a little bit. So my previous coach at Worcester, John Fletcher, he was, um, he, I don't know what his job title was, but he was, he worked, he sort of worked with British swimming as well to help sort of like, I I, I don't really know what he did, but he, he worked with the Royal at some points. Um, so, okay, cool, cool. So he already knew um, Mark and, and Tom and knew the facilities and the environment. Um, and so when it came time and I was, I, and I spoke them to, to the guys at Worcester and I was like, look, I think I need to move on to the next thing now. I think I need to take that next step in my career and my journey. Um, they were like, yeah, we completely agree. This is the place you need to go. Um, and so that made it really easy because then, you know, I knew that I had faith in the people that I was going to be going to because the people that I was with right now already had faith in them for me, if that makes sense. And if the people that currently knew me best had faith in what was going to be best for me going forwards then then why wouldn't i if that makes sense so yeah it made it easy for me yeah and is it right that before you started that you had a a, a bout of tonsillitis yeah is that right and how did did that impact you long term at all or what was the what were the consequences of that yeah so yeah it was it was a an interesting time so obviously my first year at the royal i was going into year nine uh so i don't know how old that is but i was relatively young so um you know it was my decision to go to the royal that was like completely my call uh if i'm being completely honest my parents probably didn't want me to because they didn't want me to leave but um they've always been really supportive and so they were like if that's what you want to do we'll we'll do it um so <laughs> just to add insult to injury you know when i was first meant to be leaving to leave home um i had like a really bad case of tonsillitis and so i was feeling horrible i was feeling horrendous but um like I said to my mum and dad, they were like, look, Matt, you can't go yet. You need to stay here until you're better and then you can go. And I said to him, I was like, look, I, I get that, but I can't go to a new swimming program, an elite program and not turn up on the first few days of training because I'm ill. Because <laughs> like, even, even regardless of how ill I actually was, everyone there is just going to think, oh, he's he's ill. You know, he's one of them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I said to my parents, I was like, look, I don't care. I'm going and I'm going to train. I'm going to go to school. I'll be fine in a few days. Just, just let me go. And so, so I went back to school. Um, my mum was absolutely in bits because she didn't want to leave me there because she didn't want to leave her baby in a, yeah, when, she, when he's not feeling well and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it, it was difficult and it was, it was different, but like I said, I was made to feel welcome from the start and, you know, I was looked after from the get go. So, 
it was just it, it was all right it was like it wasn't exactly how I would have hoped to have started there but it sort of it showed to me and my family that I was going to be all right there yeah I mean and that indicates to me that you were very very determined on this goal as a kid and you you really 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 wanted it I suppose that more than anything must be the element which enables success I suppose because if you were to do all that I, I would imagine without really truly believing in the process then you wouldn't want to push yourself in training you wouldn't want to go the extra mile did you must have been a very very confident determined um you know self-minded individual at such a young age is is that is that true yeah I think I'd say so um you know I've always for as long as I can remember I've always set myself really big goals with whatever it happens to be that I'm doing um so obviously most of that has been within swimming because that's been the most important thing in my my life um so um I've always set massive goals and most of the time when I set those goals I don't really share them with anybody other than my really closest circles so that'll be like my family and my coach and that'll be about it nobody else really hears about those goals but pretty much every time I set those goals everyone around me that I speak to about it is a bit like Matt. <laughs> Chill out a bit. <laughs> um, but then, you know, every time I've done that so far, I've either achieved those goals or I've been just off doing it. Um, and the way I look at it is that at the end of the day, if I set those goals, regardless of whether or not I hit them, even if I just missed them, I will have done a lot more than I would have done if I set a goal that I know I can achieve because then it's, it's pointless, if that makes sense. If it's a goal that... I look at and go, yeah, this is going to be really hard. And if it's a goal that everyone else looks at and goes, Matt, surely you can't do that. Then it just means that I've got to work. I have to work that much harder. It's almost like sort of forcing my own hand, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it does. It, it really does. And um, when you look back at your all, all your achievements in such a young career, what um, what stands out? Obviously, you're you know looking to the future mostly, I'd imagine. But what stands out as um, what you know some of your favourite moments from your career so far? Yeah, so I think uh, probably one of the the real standouts for me was um, it's not what you're going to expect. I don't think so. I think people will probably expect me to be like, oh yeah, you know, European juniors. But um, when when would it have been? 2018. No, 20, actually it would have been 2017. So 2017 at the the British Summer Championships, um, I just had a really good Summer Championships. I think I won five golds out of five events. So it was obviously a really good meet for me. I was really happy with it. Like, really happy. Like, I think that was my first, my second British Summer Championships. Um, my first one, I think I just snuck into a final, but then this was my first season at the Royal, I think. So it everything just oh, okay. dropped. Um, so... After that, after my final race, my final race was the 200 free. Um, and I'll never forget, I, I spoke to uh, to Ross Nicholas, who's the, the performance director for Swim Wales. Um, and he came over and he was like, Matt, that was fantastic. You did a great job. Um, and he said to me, he was, <laughs> he was like, you know, if you can drop that time, I think I went a, a 154 or something. He was like, if you can drop that time by four seconds between now and December, we'll take you to Commonwealth's. And that was because the the qualifying time for Commonwealth was, I think, a, a one fifty. And so, bearing in mind, I was fourteen. Um, <laughs> like Ross can't have been saying that seriously. I've never actually spoken to him about it, but I, I I'd imagine he was just saying that as 
you know, just having a laugh. But yeah, we'll have to get him on and question him about it. Yeah, so I went away from that and I was like, right, well, like I, I, my coach was like, right, Matt, take two weeks off and then we'll come back and get in training. I was like, no, 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 no. We got until December to drop four seconds on the 200 free. And he was like, <laughs> you've just dropped like four seconds just now. Like <laughs> another four seconds in December would be ridiculous. And I was like, well, no, no. Like he, he said, if I can do it that time, it'll take me to commies. And it's in Australia. I've never been there. I, we're, we're doing it. We're getting it. And he was like, all right, fine. So <laughs> that's what I mean, like about setting those goals. So I set that goal. Um, and unfortunately, I went a 151.1 or something. So I dropped three seconds and I just yeah. time to qualify. And so I was absolutely gutted. But, you know, that that's what I was saying earlier. You know, I was still 14. So to have gone a 151 was huge for me. You know, it, I, like, it went way under the British record. Like it was like it was massive, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. But because I'd set such a big goal, even though it wasn't quite what I wanted, I still achieved something big in the process, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, an absolute massive drop-off in time. Yeah. Because you'd been aiming for the stars, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that that's that's amazing. That's such a, at such a young age as well. You must have only been 14, 15 when you did that 151. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Jesus. I was, I was just about to turn 15, I think. God, yeah, no, that's 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 amazing, and and then you've you've now got a one forty seven, is that right? In in in, I think. Okay, God, yeah, and um, so yeah, if you if you do anything near like that in the trials, then you'll really be up there, mate. So yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure you will, mate. And uh, obviously, as you know now, um, as well as the swimming, you've sort of ventured a little bit into the social media space, mate. Um, you know, doing vlogs on your YouTube channel. Um, first of all, where, where can people find you on social media and, um, and, uh, what, you know, what, what's your, what, have you got any particular aims in mind for, for those, those sort of ventures? Yeah. So, uh, my social media is just, yeah, it's just something I do that I enjoy. Um, it's not, you know, right now I'm not really thinking about it as a, a particularly sort of business minded project, if that makes sense. It's more just something that it's like a creative outlet for me where I can just, you know, make a, a silly video that I enjoy and chuck it up online. And, you know, if nobody watches it, that's fine because I've had fun making it. And if loads of people watch it, that's great. You know, I'm glad they've enjoyed it. You know what I mean? So, um, like I said, it's just one of those things where I'm just, just enjoying it. Um, you know, if it were to progress in the future to something where it could, you know, do well, then that, that'd be great. But if it doesn't, then that doesn't bother me either. I'm more than happy just, just making my videos. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's nice because I suppose you must have, you must need something to t take the edge off a bit, you know, when you're training all the time, having that creative outlet, I suppose is um it must be really really it must be actually quite beneficial for your swimming do you find that you, you you get back to the pool and you 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 you're refreshed a bit is that what you're finding at all yeah exactly so you know I've, I've spoken with a lot of people about it and everybody says like they want to see more videos of me training and me around the pool and that kind of stuff and i've tried to steer away from it as much as possible because to me like i said about it, it's it's more for me to just enjoy it and I don't want it to be something that then detracts from my training, which is why I'm trying to avoid taking it to the pool too much and, and that kind of thing. Cause it's, I want it to just be something separate that's just fun and just enjoyable. And I haven't got to worry about, you know, the content taken away from my training and that kind of thing. Cause I know that doing it 
you know, away from the pool and in my spare time, as you said, is only going to benefit me because it just brings me back in a nice, open, fresh mindset and I'm just ready to go again. Yeah, no, great. Um, so I suppose, mate, we're just uh, coming, to the, coming to the end, sort of one final question that we'd like to ask of you. Obviously, you're a very young swimmer. We've, we've gone over that quite a bit. But when you have retired in many years and you look back at your swimming career, what is it that you want to have achieved by then? And that, that can be related to swimming or it could be more just life in general. Have you got anything that you, you would really, really want to look back on and, um, and see that you've achieved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, obviously I've got my, my personal goals of what I want to achieve from a, a sort of performance perspective. Um, and I won't share that because that's, again, that's just something that I, I keep personal. But um, one thing I do want to do with the sport, you know, as long as I can continue to progress, I do want to help make the sport and shape it into a direction, like we were saying, that it's not been before um, and take it to a place where it is a more mainstream sport where people watch it on a Saturday afternoon because that's when the swimming's on, do you know what I mean? And I, I'd love to be a part of taking the sport that I love and that I've grown up loving and bringing that into a more diverse sort of area where more people can then fall in love with the same sport that I have, if that makes sense. That would be like, if I could look back at the end of my sport and, and honestly say to myself that I've had an impact on making that change, I'd be more than happy. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's any better words to sort of finish finish that on. Mate, you've been abs- you've been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on and being our first guest. We really, really appreciate it. All the best for your future, pal. Uh we'll be looking we'll be checking your, your progress really, really closely. And from us at ISL News and the Poolside Podcast, all the best, mate, and the best wishes. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And thank you again for having me on. Thank you for listening to an episode of The Swim Special. Everybody here at ISL News greatly appreciates it. Do not forget to catch us on whatever platform you use to hear your podcasts. And also give us a follow on Instagram at news. That's where you can find all the best content about swimming, in particular the ISL and the upcoming ISL Season 3. We're going to be putting the videos of these podcasts onto YouTube as well as clips. And also, we're going to be putting those clips onto Instagram as well. So don't forget to catch us there. Thanks very much for listening. It's greatly appreciated. Cheers.